the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. <laughs> what a day to be here doing the Steelers Standard with you two guys. Juju Smith-Schuster is back on a one-year, $8 million deal. It's got four voidable years, according to Mark Cabali. So pushing more cap into the future. According to him, the Steelers have pushed $18 million into the future just on Ben, Cam Sutton, and Juju alone. $2.4 million is the cap hit for Juju. I got to say, I'm surprised, but the longer Juju was on that open market the less surprising it became. Yeah, I mean, I think we made that point um, on our last episode, our last handful of episodes. We talked about, um, I think I said, it might be in Juju's best interest to re-sign with the Steelers, and I prefaced it by saying I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but with the market being what it is, and it didn't look like the market was great for wide receivers this year, um, I, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised that it happened. And from a team perspective, if you're the Steelers, Bringing Juju back on a cheap deal, it does make a lot of sense, if we're going to be honest. I mean, it does. Um, you know, and being that he's only going to count, what, 2.4 against the cap this year, that makes a lot of sense. It does. There's no question about it from a football perspective. Um, but as we've talked about, there's more to Juju Smith-Schuster than just the football perspective. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, you know, if you're asking me if it was a good sign or not, I mean, I suppose it was because you get a guy that, um, you know, has been with the team for you know a long time who you didn't think was going to be back with the team uh, because of free agency. Um, he, he was expected to make more in free agency, but you do get him back and he's cheap. So I guess from that p- pure perspective alone, yeah. it is a good sign for the Steelers. Right. I mean, if you want to put on those goggles then it makes sense, right? Because you're getting him at a bargain. No other team would have thought that if they made that offer to Juju. I mean, there's not even a question. If any other team made that offer to Juju, there's zero chance he was going to take that right. that deal. And we saw reports say that he turned down much larger offers from teams like the Ravens in Kansas City. We don't know if that's true. That could just be a, a storyline that was kind of leaked out there, maybe by just Juju's agent. by Juju's agent, just to say, hey, the market was there. But, you know, it's it's all speculation. So there's no way that Juju got the, would have gotten the deal that he got with the Steelers from any other team. He would have just laughed in their faces if they tried to offer that. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to look at it through that very, you know, specific lens of, okay, we, we got him for such a short deal or a short time with such a small hit against our cap, then, yeah, I mean, there's no reason the Steelers shouldn't have made that deal. What a saga this all turned out to be. And kind of going off of what you were mentioning there, Jacob, what does this really mean for the free agency market around Juju this year? Because, yeah, there are the reports of the Ravens with one year. You've seen anywhere between the ranges of 9 to $13 million on that offer. You've seen the Chiefs with another one year around $9, $10 million with that offer. And that is questionable, first of all, the fact that Juju would decide to take less money to come back to a team with – I would say a worse quarterback than the other two teams I just mentioned. Fair. You've got Lamar as an MVP and you've Not got Patrick Mahomes as You're an MVP. You're going to tell me that you got a better deal from Kansas City to play with Patrick Mahomes and you turned it down? That's what I'm saying. And then Lamar Jackson as well in, in Baltimore, it's the same token. And, you know, you go to Kansas City, if you're Juju, I could get talked into him falling down that depth chart and kind of getting lost in the shuffle of those weapons. But you go to Baltimore and you're the guy. I mean, you're going to be Lamar Jackson's main weapon or at least his security blanket in that passing game. Uh, so I don't know if I really buy that 
those narratives of those two deals. I, I think what happened with his free agency market is the teams that offered him long-term deals were only for like three years, $12 million per year or something like that. So not super long longevity, $12 million per year is less than what his market value was expected to be. So I think after all of that, you know, he just decided to sit back and his agent, who is probably very smart, or if he was a very smart man, would tell his client, hey, one-year deal might be the best option, Kellen, like you were saying. Let's get this one-year deal done. Maybe yep. have to take a little bit of a pay cut here. You got to prove it, but then you hit the market again next year. Yeah, and but I again, think— it doesn't make sense that he would turn down the Chiefs or the Ravens because it's the same boat. He could leave them and be in the market again next year based I would, on the reports. I would rather be guaranteed an AFC Championship appearance with the Chiefs than take as little money as I did with the Steelers. But here's the thing. I think part of, the, part of all of this is Juju, I think, is realizing— um, while all those things are true, that if you play with the Chiefs, you have a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl, maybe win one, you get a ring. But he's probably the third or fourth option there. And that Definitely the third. And Definitely that, the no third. No question the yeah. third. Um, and that contract with the Chiefs was incentive-laden. Now, I'm not saying that he couldn't achieve those being the third option with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball because yeah. he could. Um, and then the same the same um, point could be made with the Ravens. And, Tom, you said, yeah, I mean, Ra um, that – Lamar Jackson, he, uh, Juju could be a, a, a security blanket for Lamar Jackson, and that's true, but that contract was also incentive-based. I mean, how many incentives could you have when that team is sorely focused on running the football? Meanwhile, the Steelers, right, 7.1 million of his 8 million was up front in a signing bonus. Yeah, well, that in on top of that, you're playing in a familiar place. You're, you know, I mean, you have Claypool and Deontay. It's a decent enough play. I mean, he had almost 900 yards receiving last year. If he has a similar year to the one he had last year and with Ben feeding him the ball. I mean, he's got to be Ben's favorite target, right? I mean, I'm sure Ben pushed for Juju oh, to come back. I think back. Ben had his hands all over this deal. Yeah, I mean, and he if he wants Juju to come back, that means he values him and he's going to get him the ball. I think Juju realized that, you know, yeah, I could take more money with those teams, but I might as well play one more year with Ben. I might as well try to get as many numbers as I can. And then guess what? I can leave when Ben leaves and I don't look like the bad guy. And I think that's kind of what went through Juju's head. I think it's a smart move for Juju because at the end of the day, I mean, the cap is going to skyrocket next year. So if he has a similar year to the one he had last year, he's going to get paid. I mean, I think there's no question when we had the show that was following the Ben renegotiated contract, we were saying to ourselves, it's very possible Ben went into that room with the Roonies and said, I can take this deal. You know, let me help you help me. And I think we all said that Ben definitely took this pay cut in order to get paid some of his guys, some of, of his inner circle guys. And we can talk about this later on, how Steve Nelson is, is deciding to move on from the Steelers. But it's very possible that, that Ben would have gone to the Rooneys and said, hey, let's make Juju the priority. I know, you know, we like Steve and he's good. I'm not saying that he explicitly gave them Steve Nelson's name as to not be paid. But there's a possibility that Ben said, let's prioritize Juju. And even though Juju didn't get paid, they kind of did the same thing where Ben Ben and Juju said, I'm going to be here. And I'm just shocked that, that Juju kind of took a, a very similar road that Ben took. I'm not saying it was it was a selfless move because, you know, Juju, we, we know, has al alternate motives most oh, of the time. Oh, there's ulterior motives. Yeah. Yeah with this as well and it's mainly just getting back into free agency as fast as possible with a booming cap right and so a so team we'll, with the Steelers that by the way will be 
have a hat in that ring absolutely the next free agency period they have a ton of cap space so when we sat here and said you know kudos to ben for taking this cut you know some people said some people believed it that he did it for the team others didn't but there's there's no doubt that juju kind of just did this to set himself up for a better year next year but it only was made possible by the move that ben that ben made if ben had had not done a renegotiation there's no way even with with the with the new deal that Juju has, the Steelers would have been able to afford to keep Juju. Well, there's certainly a lot of people around Pittsburgh and Steelers fans that are excited about this move, but I'm just not so sure that it is a good thing as far as football-wise is concerned. Um, just looking at it strictly on the field, now you kind of have a bit of a logjam at the wide receiver position yeah. where, you know, do you need five solid targets, the big four receivers and Eric Ebron included in that, where I think that... Everybody on this podcast was completely accepting of the fact that, you know, three receivers in Claypool, Deontay, and James Washington with Ebron as a tight end threat was more than enough on a team that hopefully is going to make the transition towards more of a rushing style of an attack. But now they got the five weapons back in the passing game, and they have no one in that backfield yet for the running. I mean, the, the starting running back right now is Benny Snell, and the starting center is B.J. Finney. So they've done nothing to address that part of the game, and it looks like they're going to be one of the teams in the NFL that leads the league as far as passing is concerned, at least attempts-wise, because they're bringing back the weapons that they did last year, and they were right up there last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily a—I mean, obviously do you, you don't want— Do you really want Washington as your number four wide receiver? He's too good for that. He's too I mean, good he for is. that. I mean, yeah, we talked about how Juju had, what, 800-some yards and, and eight touchdowns or nine touchdowns last year. We were, we were more than willing to say, let's spread that 800 yards and eight touchdowns out to the other three guys because that's what you need to do. I mean, it's good to have four receivers, but not when your fourth receiver is going to be James Washington, someone who could be a number two guy for all that matters. And, yeah, Tom, I couldn't agree more, especially if, if you're not addressing not just the running game, but you haven't really found a solution to kind of combat Eric Ebron, uh, who didn't have the best year either. It looks like he'll be brought back. You're just kind of setting yourself up to, as as we always say, to run it back. And is that really the best thing you want to do to run it back? What what the 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 end result from 2020? I don't know if it is the best thing to do. And to be honest, we'll get to this in a next episode of the Steelers Standard. But defensively, that whole run it back field philosophy that's come by the wayside. Yeah, it is. almost more than half Entirely of the players different. they yep. need to replace now on that defense. But like I said, we'll get to that in a little bit. Talking about that log jam at the wide receiver position, you know. I mentioned James Washington is too good to be a number four. I hope this doesn't stunt the development of a Claypool or a Deontay yeah. Johnson. Uh, Deontay have a little bit more faith in to stay uh, focused, but there's no question that Juju <laughs> influenced Claypool as far as distractions off the field last year were concerned, and you hope that Chase Claypool doesn't just start falling more into that trap and Juju doesn't keep bringing him back down there when he comes back next year. And I kind of thought you know, the beginning of this and, and when we all thought that Juju wasn't going to be here, I thought that exact point was a reason for it, um, was to try to clear Chase Claypool's head. Um, and, you know, a couple years ago when the Steelers were, were um, going to get rid of Antonio Brown, and it was everybody kept saying addition by subtraction. Yeah. And I think that was something that was a theme that you could say about this year, too, that losing Juju um, from a, you know, an off the field perspective and, and kind of being in Claypool's ear could be an addition because he's leaving and Claypool doesn't have to have to deal with that. Um, and doesn't have that kind of on his shoulder. Um, and that's obviously from an on or an off the field perspective, from an on the field perspective, as we said, it does make some sense. 
But yeah, um, you kind of hope that it doesn't stunt the growth of those two guys because I think you can make the point that this log jam at wide receiver has stunted the growth of James Washington, who um, kind of hasn't gotten been able to get out of that uh, that fourth wide receiver spot. And I mean, I know what was it two years ago he led the Steelers in receiving yards, but that was a little different. It was a little different because you had Duck and Mason as the All quarterbacks, deep throws was that, yeah. right? So I mean. I just and I mean this is probably going to be Washington's last year now. I mean I'm assuming yeah. so. Well, I would think he might want to get out of here. That's what I mean. I mean that's that's just my keeps point. Falling further and further down the depth chart. Right. If I was a team that needed uh, a wide receiver and had some middle of the draft capital, fifth, sixth round, I'd float maybe a fifth round pick at the Steelers and say, hey, let's get you want James Washington, fifth round pick. I mean that'd be a steal for the other team. I, I think it would be too. But the problem is that you can't really go out there and ask James Washington more, to be like, right. "Can I get a third round pick?" Because yeah, they're going to be like, he's, "He's your fourth string wide right. receiver. I'm not giving you a third round pick for him." Right. So they're in a tough spot as far as he's concerned. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really do feel bad uh, for James because he's he's much better than a fourth fourth string receiver position. And Kellen, to what you were trying to say about. Juju's impact on Claypool specifically, what I'm really worried about is this this year, you know, it was more so about what he was doing off the field, Juju I'm talking about with his TikToks, but what about when the fans return to Heinz Field and mm. Juju will now be on the sideline not really watching the game. He'll be trying well, to interact in, with fans. In warm-ups too, because fans are always watching warm-ups. And, and with, with, with teams coming to Heinz Field, Excuse me, with teams coming to Heinz Field, you know, Juju's going to see their fans there too. And when Juju's on the road, he's obviously going to see a lot of that home team's fans, and he's going to try to chirp at them. And, and I just feel like he's going to get distracted. Well, that brings me to my next point. Now that he's back, you got to have him scale back the social media. Oh, 100%. Before games. That's got to be game in days. ink, in the contract. Uh, it's got to be, uh, you can't tweet until unless we win. If we win the game, go bananas on Do whatever social media you want. after sure. the game. But not before the game uh, and not after losses. Uh, I'm not saying you can't tweet the night after a loss, but sure. just not excessively and Don't tweeting say we... out links to Twitches that you can be on <laughs> and, and join me in it because you just lost a football game. Wait until tomorrow to do that. You don't have to do it right that second. Right. and. Uh, but more importantly, it's the before-the-game antics that need to stop. And yeah. the people that say – and Juju was in an interview recently where he said uh, – it was kind of a little insulting if you're a Steeler fan where it wasn't just – people blame it, people were blaming him for the losing streak because he's dancing on the logos. And he was saying, look, I was dancing on the logos all year long. We were 11-0, and and it wasn't a problem. Then they started blaming the losing on me, and he said the losing was just because we were playing like crap. We were getting outcoached. We were getting outplayed. And <laughs> – Interesting that he threw a shot at outcoached right at the beginning yeah. there, which is just an interesting thing for him to say. But they just don't understand the added motivation. And he referenced in that soundbite in the interview I'm referencing the Cowboys game and dancing on the Cowboys logo. And that was the start of it. Remember how that game was supposed to be an absolute blowout and, and the Cowboys took the Steelers down mm -hmm. to the wire with Garrett Gilbert as the starting quarterback. And then you fast forward a week later, and the Bengals, you do the same thing on their logo, and you get your head taken off by Von <laughs> Bell. Yeah. Because you're just, like, people who don't play sports, who sit back and say that that stuff doesn't matter, no, they're no. telling on themselves for never playing a sport because any little extra motivation, especially at the professional level, is incredibly yeah. dangerous. I mean, no those doubt. guys are getting paid to play. They're not always going to be giving you 110% right. uh, focus. 
But when you start to disrespect them, they're going to say, hey, screw this guy. Like, I know our season's over, but we can smack this guy in the mouth, and we can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. That's what happened in that Bengals game. Yeah, I mean, it does add extra motivation, and that's something that, um, regardless of how small it is, it is a real thing. And anybody that wants to diminish that or say it doesn't matter clearly hasn't played sports in their life or um, in a very long time, and they've lost touch with how athletes actually think. Um, but as you said, it's very different with, with professional athletes and the way that they are motivated, the way that they are wired. But I do think that the, that this stuff has to stop and quickly go into that interview that that um, that Juju was talking about. You know, he mentioned saying that the fans blame the losses on him. And I'll say this straight up. Um, and I'm sure Juju know this, knows this deep down. But for any fan that blamed the losses on Juju, they really I mean, you're an idiot, right? I mean, they weren't paying attention, no. right? Yeah, no fan, no real fan mm. who's educated is doing that, right? So that's just my point. Saying that this is a part of a bigger picture it, of why we're losing. Exactly, but and Juju, that, in typical Juju fashion, is making it about, about him. Himself. Yeah, and that's kind of the point I'm making. Like, if anyone's saying that you're an idiot, for one, um, but it did contribute to it, and that's just something that I think any logical, um, you know, fan looking at it uh, objectively and saying. That Juju, this 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 TikTok stuff needs to stop. That's all they're trying to say is just it's just adding a distraction. It's just adding extra motivation. You don't need to do it. And it's not the reason the Steelers, you know, lost four of their last five. Of course it isn't. But at the same time, it definitely it contributed to it. Didn't it. help, that's right. for sure. Uh well, getting back to the whole they don't have a starting running back other than Benny Snell right now, <laughs> and, and they don't have a starting center other than BJ Finney right now. It just feels to me like this was a little bit of a wasted move for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I feel like there's just a lot more positions of need that they need to really take a good look at and address, and this just wasn't one of them. Wide receiver was pretty bolstered, even with Juju's departure. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could have talked me into bringing back Big Al before bringing back Juju, and it would have been a move. We did talk about bringing back Big Al. But I'm saying you could tell me, like, if that happened today, I could be talked into that being more of a – decent move for the Steelers because at least you're filling a position of need. I know yeah, you're wincing fair. over there, Kellen, because you don't like Big well, Al. I don't like Big Al either. He hasn't played but well. It's, it's but at something... least it's something that the Steelers right. need. And, and by the yeah. way, don't rule out Big Al. Still, I it still could, hear it still happen. There, a lot of reporters are still And if it does, still I still won't be, I won't be upset about it. About Big Al? Yeah. I would be a little bit upset about it now with Juju. Maybe now with the, too much... with the money spent yeah, on Juju exactly. and then additionally on Big Al. I understand what, you, what you're trying to say there. But, but it just strikes me as there's a lot more things that need to be addressed, yeah. and you're kind of just appeasing the quarterback right now. At least that's the sense that I get from the outside looking. I could be completely wrong, but that's just what someone completely on the outside would, would think, just trying to connect the dots behind a wall I can't see through. And to play devil's advocate just for a second here, I think um, from the Steelers' perspective, they're probably thinking along the lines of, look, this is probably going to be Ben's last year, why not try to optimize it the best that you can? And I know that's kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth, considering that you don't have a left tackle, and right now your starting center is B.J. Finney. Um, so I understand that, but I think I think that's their that's their logic of it, is that you, know, you might as well get as many weapons for Ben as you can because it's the last year he's going to play, and he has to play well in order for the Steelers to be successful. There's no question. So give him as many options as possible. Um, I'm not saying that that's the correct way of going about it because I think all of us are kind of leaning that this move, while it makes sense from an on-the-field perspective, everything else surrounding it doesn't make sense. But you know what option I would have loved for Ben to have is a Najee Harris or a Javante Williams 
in the backfield to bolster up the running back position and create a guy that can just get more yards, even if it's on the ground versus in the air. Yeah, and I think they can still get that. And I think that they will clearly now address the running back in the offensive line position in the draft. Uh, I don't think I was expecting or anyone was expecting them to fix the running back position in free agency, but no, I, but I did expect just, them to do more with the offensive line until this point, and, and I don't think they will. I think they're going to go all draft for the line and all draft for the running back. What I was trying to say, the point I was trying to make was by dra- even if you even if they draft the Harris or the ATN or the Javante Williams, there's still only going to be one ball. You have four receivers, a tight end who yeah. only catches balls. And you're going to have this young running back. How are you going to distribute the ball evenly? No, that's a, a tough task for Ben Roethlisberger to have to head up. And it's something that you don't want Ben Roethlisberger to do. You wanted to simplify the offense next year and make it so that there's not much thinking, not much moving parts about it. Now, all of a sudden, Ben's got all the toys that he would want when he was a 31-year-old in his prime. Right. And you wonder if last year, at the beginning of the year, they started to run the Canada offense. That offense had some success. It was doing some interesting things on the ground. Had a hundred yard rushing games in their first th- or three of their first four games. Benny Snell was a one hundred yard rusher for God's sake. So they were doing a lot of good things there. But then something happened as the season went on. They started to go more pass heavy. You started to stop seeing the jet motion that Matt Canada started to implement in the offense, especially on the goal line. The Problems getting short yardage started to arise for the Steelers. Again, something that's plagued them for the past couple of seasons. You worry that you're going to see the same trend happen this year where we're going to start with a Canada offense, run the ball a lot with that new rookie running back. It's going to look great. A lot of jet sweeps. It's going to look great. Deontay Johnson hopefully really uh, steps into that role nicely. They start winning some games. Maybe Ben starts feeling himself a little bit too much, and again, it happens like it did in 2020. Yeah, and I think that's a realistic fear. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking that sort of way about it because we've already seen it. Um, it's you know, history has a funny way of repeating itself, and I know it was only a year ago, but it does kind of feel like that. And you know, uh, to Jacob's point, I think the point that you're making there, like if you get Etn or Harris or Javante Williams that you're running back, that's great. But at the same time, um, you know, if, if Ben has that many options and an RPOs called, we've talked about it how many times on this show, you have to run the ball. Like those have to be more of a 50-50 split, at least a 60-40. Um, and with him having Ebron, Juju, uh, Deontay Johnson, and Claypool, uh, you know, how often is he really going to hand the ball off? Right? I think I think especially with, with Juju returning, mm-hmm. that's going to lead to a much higher percentage of thrown balls. I mean, you could have said that even with – Say say the receiver room was left with just Juju, Claypool, Deontay, James Washington's not there, and say they get rid of Eric Ebron for some reason, they just bring in a, a whatever-named tight end. Just with Juju in that receiving yeah. core, Bennett's going to want to throw the ball more because he knows he knows how to work with Juju through the air. And finally, does this improve Juju's chances to be a stealer for life in your guys' eyes? Because no. in mine, I think it does improve it. Because it does? not that the Steelers might be interested – but I think just mathematically it improves it because the cap's going to go up next year. The Steelers are going to have a crap ton of cap space at their disposal. <clears throat> TJ Watt's a big one that they need to sign, and they're going to use that cap space to sign him yeah. if they don't franchise tag him, which is an interesting thought that we can get into at a later episode <laughs> of Steelers Standard. That's a whole other bag of worms. But they're definitely going to have the possibility to do it 
are they going to be interested to do it, Jacob? I don't know. That's a, a whole different question, but they're at least having the chance to do it now where this year there was no chance. You thought he was going to walk this year, get a long-term deal somewhere else. We all else. did. The long-term deal is on the table next year as far as the Steelers are concerned. The cap's going to be there for him. It Ju- is. Juju said himself last week or earlier this week, I'm done. He told done. his teammates that he's out. I'm out. He said that. Uh, I'm, I'm going elsewhere. I'm going to greener pastures. Yeah, he so, didn't know that the NFL was going to smack him down with right. his free agency. So how in, in your eyes, Steelers fans, can you say, oh, he is redeemed himself by signing when he was ready to walk it was just the fact that this was the smart move by him this wasn't the noble move this wasn't the humble move this was the smart move so that he could get paid next year I will say though I to Tom's point him being here next year it does it's a lot more likely than it was even even earlier than earlier today Uh, I don't think there's any question about that Um, but you know looking at it um, I mean I mean, there's only, what, three receivers in Steelers history in, in the modern era that have gotten extensions now, Juju, Hines, Ward, and A.B. Um, and one of these things is not like the that's other. That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> it does improve his odds that he'll be here long term because, let's be honest here, the cap has gone way up or will go way up next year. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's not because of anything Juju has done. Really, at the end of the day, the reason that that, that, um, that option is there, the reason that he could be a, a lifelong Steeler and that he could – um, have a much longer career than anticipated is because uh, the NFL and the free agency market didn't treat Juju well. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that have said, you know, Juju won and like Juju, you know, he was true to his word. And I mean, I guess if you look at it through some, you know, crazy blinders, I suppose you can make that point. But at the end of the day, it was just because he didn't get the money that he wanted. Well, there weren't any casualties as far as Juju resigning with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There is actually a pretty massive casualty. And on our next episode of Steelers Standard, We will get into that. We will also talk about a defense that all of a sudden has a lot of changeover from 2020 to 2021. That's on the next episode of Steelers Standard. For Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Offerman. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Steelers Standard. And make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. We'll talk to you next time.